Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there Steve. I'm not forever. <laughs> Today we are talking Panther's Rage, a 12-issue story arc that appeared in Jungle Action, featuring action. the Black Action. Action. Jungle Action. Jungle Action, starring the Black Panther. Uh, this story was 1973 to 1975. Jungle yeah. Action was a bi-monthly uh, series. So yeah. it took a year to get through 12 issues. Uh, the storyline itself started in issue number six and ran through issue number 18. It's notable for being the first Marvel comic to be uh, conceived of as a single story arc or as a novel. It's, yeah, they say it's the technically the first graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Like true it's also it's also the first solo appearance of the Black Panther. Yes, in, in outside of uh, Captain America, Fantastic Four, and Avengers appearances. Right. And he was, I mean, before this, he was a, a he was a member of the Avengers, full-fledged right. Avenger. But he was, uh, but he was still a secondary character. Black Panther was the first black superhero, but he was relegated to these, these team books, guest appearances, this sort of thing. Uh, Jungle Action was the first time Black Panther appeared in a solo capacity. Beating, yeah. being beaten by Luke Cage by a year. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting that uh, Jungle Action was Marvel's attempt to reprint a bunch of stories from, I want to say, the 50s, mm -hmm. which were um, more or less white people in the jungle. Right. right. Edgar Rice Burroughs ripoffs. I mean, I think there was a Kozar or something like that. There's definitely a Tarzan ripoff. Yeah, well, for a while, they had a, a feature. Um, a backup feature in the book called Lorna the Jungle Girl. Mm -hmm. And she's pretty blonde. She's pretty blonde. And yeah, and now, that's reprinted from the 50s. Now, Don McGregor, who was working as a proofreader for Marvel at the time, he was the proofreader on all the Marvel titles, came to the editorial staff, which I believe at the time was Stan Lee, Roy right. Thomas, and probably a couple of others. Uh, that I can't possibly, remember. Possibly uh, Marv Wolfman, because he is the editor of the book later on mm -hmm. in the story arc. So the story arc um, actually goes through several artists and several editors. Right. <laughs> Before. But McGregor went to the editorial staff and said, hey, look, this jungle action thing is so obsolete, it's ridiculous. That's and they really said, good. and they said, okay, well, uh, yeah, you're taking over as writer then, and you get Black Panther, right? Because they they wanted the only stipulation was because it was jungle action mm -hmm. had to take place in the jungle, right? So it had to be uh, take place in Africa. So they had to actually instead of having um, Black Panther's adventures in New York, I think at the time he was. Uh, Moonlighting as a school teacher, 
something if like I that. remember correctly. Um, he came back to his to Wakanda, um, and and uh, that that's where you get the, the action mm-hmm. where this picks up. There's a it starts with a reprint of um, of an Avengers story, right? Number number five, where they switch the title over to Jungle Action featuring Black Panther. Right. And then it continues, and this is um, one of the sources for the movie that had just come out. Mm-hmm. Now, what's what's interesting about this, I was reading through this, and anytime a character, we've, we've mentioned this a couple times, anytime a character gets the spotlight of pop culture cast upon them, a lot of credit is given to the creators and often some of the people who are responsible for the wider range of the character are overlooked. And I think in this case, McGregor's work in Panther's Rage, being that it is part of what Coogler made a film of, you know, got kind of got the shaft on this. Yeah, most definitely. Um, because really, this is the first time we've set anything specifically in Wakanda for a length of time. Right. Wakanda that, gets mentioned a lot in previous appearances, but we are actually there for a long time. Um, so, yeah, so Black Panther first appeared in Fantastic Four comics. So you get uh, Kirby mm-hmm. and Stan Lee are who are credited with his creation because that was their book. Right. And uh, that's great. But I don't, I don't think that Black Panther would have gone anywhere without this series, even mm-hmm. though not a lot of people have, um, I don't know a lot of people who've actually sat down and read this thing, mm-hmm. but I'm sure there's a lot more now <laughs> than there was uh, two months ago. Right, and and really, if you've seen the film, if you've seen the film, or even have a passing interest in the character, I believe this is uh, bound as a collection now. Definitely get your hands on it and give it a read. It's it's a little bit different um, from the the takes that you see in the film, but it's still a very good read. Um, very action packed classic pulp styling uh if you don't like adverbs sorry this is not the story for you it's very marvel yes very very marvel uh also another another thing i wanted to mention is the second storyline the storyline that appears after panther's rage is panther versus the kkk right Um, which was also mcgregor's doing that Um, was that was uh cut off in mid story. They had to actually mm-hmm. finish that story in a different title. Yeah. What they, what they ended up doing was, um, I believe Kirby did an issue of daredevil where, uh, Panther and daredevil were fighting the KKK. Um, McGregor developed it into a full length story, but jungle action was canceled, uh, in 77, I believe it was. Because Kirby had come back from DC and they gave him the Black Panther title. And he ended up later on in the run 
essentially rehashing that story from the beginning and finally gave it an end. Now, one of the things that you wanted to point out was that the Wakanda of Panther's Rage is very different from the Wakanda of the film. Yes. Um, the Wakanda in Panther's Rage has... You, get, you see some of the same elements. You have this uh, mask of a third world country, but um, I think that McGregor's and, and possibly um, the artists that worked on it, their view of what an African third world country looks like is probably a little bit skewed by watching too, too much late show features. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's all huts and uh you know everything is like uh you know tribal except for um what's what is high tech and that's right. like super psychedelic high tech marvel shit mm-hmm. and so, and in this in this case the the super high tech psychedelic stuff is pretty much re- confined only to the palace it's the palace and then um Killmonger's uh, stronghold, mm-hmm. and actually, Killmonger's stronghold in this is more akin to Wakanda in the film or in the in the modern comics than um, the Wakanda is in this comic. Right, and and the prison area where that we see a lot of in in the later part of the story, but there's also elements where T'Challa has, even though there are lasers and sonar ships, you know, that are piloted by the Royal family and in the court hospitals are a new thing. That, right. And, and, and the people are superstitious as fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't have it like, in the, uh, did you see the film yet? No, I have not seen the film yet. Okay. But you, but you have an idea, right? Yeah. Where, I have a general idea that that the Wakanda of the film is is like uh, TNC's version, um, where it's like a first world nation that is right. extraordinary isolationist. Everyone in in Wakanda is in on the technology and benefits mm-hmm. from it. Right. Uh, that's kind of the whole point of the film. And uh, and in this, it, it's looking like there's an elite class that benefits from uh, vibranium and the rest mm-hmm. of the country is, you know, living at um, tribal levels. At tribal level, they're very superstitious. Um, um, T'Challa is referred to by the, those, the folks outside of central Wakanda as the Panther devil. Right. So it's definitely a, a different take on what Wakanda is. And you can see where, um, the, our, our current version of Wakanda, where that comes from, because mm-hmm. the roots are there. It's just the execution at that point um, is is a little, well, like you said earlier, colonial. Right, right. It's uh, it's it's seventies, definitely a white man's interpretation of a of a lost African civilization. Yeah. Well, um, and however, later on, yeah. Uh, you you get the lead anchor, um, Billy Graham, right? Is his name is actually black. Oh, 
Okay. Uh, he was. I one thought of he the, was. He, I thought he was one of the artists, not the inkers. Yes, I thought he did pencils. Uh, maybe he did. I thought he. I want to say he was the inker. Um, it just says artist. So it, you have a uh, writer Don McGregor, artist Billy Graham, um, and then letterer, and then a colorist. So I'm, I, if it says artist, I'm thinking it's he's probably pencils and ink. Uh, in the in according to Wikipedia, uh, Rich Buckler, Gil Kane, and Billy Graham were the pencils. Okay. Klaus Johnson and Bob McLeod were some of the inkers. So Billy might have been an inker on an earlier issue. That may may have been it. Anyway, so but, but but like the last bit, the last big bit of it was uh, Billy Graham doing the pencils. Mm-hmm. So, and and Billy Graham's pencils, he came in and started doing the pencils when the story got wild. Yeah, and it's, and he threw in some very very striking and primal uh, kind of visuals to go along with it. Yeah, that's the other thing about this um, book is that the, the the art in it is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. You get a a lot of um, well, a it's really psychedelic, but a lot of right. innovative work is being done with like um, on title pages where they'll all of all of them have the title of the issue mm-hmm. uh, incorporated into the art. Yes. Um, which is something that you don't see a lot until later on then. And then you have people like um, uh, Marvel Comics Presents Wolverine. Mm-hmm. It did that a lot with uh, Sam Keefe. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you can definitely see where the origins of some things that later on became standard are coming out of this comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, that and uh, a, a lot of a lot of the later art... Um, Billy Graham's art. Mm-hmm. I could see where Norm Breifogel got a lot of his Batman um, ideas from. Yeah. Uh, uh, Billy Graham. Billy Graham liked to draw T'Challa in very feline poses. Yes, uh, I noticed that. Really getting into the epilogue of the story, that he they Graham was drawing him like moving like a cat and perched like that he was almost like becoming more panther than than man yes and and very what you see in uh mcfarland's spider-man is that he drew spider-man in very insect type of poses very spider-like yeah which you don't didn't see a lot before normally t'challa just stands right or has that Kirby coming at you kind of mm-hmm. action pose. Now, one thing I will say about Graham's art, as opposed to the earlier installments of the, of the story is that he keeps the costume damage consistent throughout. Yeah. And then, which is, which is really rare in these types of stories where, you know, the right sleeve is ripped off and that the next issue it's, it's back. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, damage done to his, his costume as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and how about the mullet on Killmonger? Oh, God, that mullet, man, is great. <laughs> the the, the man has like the, an Afro mullet. Oh, yes. The striking thing about this is every character is so unique. 
that even background characters you can recognize on sight. That you know, you know who these people are. Right. Killmonger, Venom, Monica, Mbaku, Taku, even our even our good buddies, Taiti and uh Oh, yes. Kazibi. Those two guys, man. <laughs> yeah. How about the, them villains? <laughs> villain oh, names. <laughs> I yeah. mean, they're all, they're all like, I, I got to say that the villain names are, are kind of forgettable. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they're like. Um, Venom with two M's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lord that, Carnage. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And and if you look at if you look them up to see like where else they've appeared, all of them only here. This this uh, run. Not, not even the... just not just Black Panther, mm-hmm. but this actual run. Right. Now uh, Madam Slay. Madam Slay. Uh, uh, Malice Malice comes back. Uh, Chris Priest used uh, brought Killmonger and Venom back in his run. Uh, somber, Sombra, Sombra, Lord, Lord Cadaver, <laughs> Lord, Lord Cadaver was great. Yeah, that was a that was an interesting. Oh, it's Baron Macabre, Baron Macabre, Lord Carnage. Well, yeah, King Cadaver. That's it. King, King Cadaver, Cadaver was great. Yeah. He was like, but even like King Cadaver is like kind of that stock Marvel Scooby Doo villain. Yeah. Well, no, he's like um, like uh, the Gremlin from the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Remember? Short oh yeah, style. the leader. Yeah, it, it's just like this the Modoc. Mm-hmm. Marvel has like this stock of character types mm-hmm. that they just plugged into to different. Um, to different storylines and different yes the, uh, uh, the the southerner the <laughs> and, and I, I understand why they do that because they were putting out a ton of books mm-hmm. with only a few people actually writing them so right. they kind of um, they kind of had to have that formula going on right yeah these were these Marvel were the days method. yeah these were the days of the Marvel bullpen where they actually all the writers and artists worked in an office together. So I mean I, I understand where it's coming from, but these are just kind of um, not memorable versions of these <laughs> archetypes. Except for Killmonger, Killmonger is actually a really good villain, and he was a really great villain in in the movie, and he's a really good villain in this because it's all down to his motivation. Right now, let's uh, let's do a quick plot synopsis. Yeah, it's a it's a Killmonger wants to uh, destroy Wakanda mm-hmm. uh, because his family was killed by Claw. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and he he blames Vibranium and he blames Panther. Yes. Now Killmonger has been setting this up for quite a while. Yeah, he's he's a, a slow burn villain, mm-hmm. and he. He's actually enacting his plan. He's in the final stage of his plan once T'Challa returns from New York. Right. 
I mean, he he comes back home and he's just dropped in the middle of this. Right. He basically um, comes back to a situation where the out, outlying villages have uh, turned against the central government. Mm-hmm. Um, Killmonger has convinced them that that uh, Panther, that Chala is bad for Wakanda and he'd be a much better leader. Um, through he does it through you know carrot and stick. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are afraid of him, but a lot of people dig what he's what he's putting down. Right, right, because T'Challa is bringing in the influence of the Western world. Right. Um, he brought an outsider uh, woman with him, Monica, and it's he has convinced the the outlying villages that the central Wakandans are trying to essentially destroy Wakanda. Well, and in a way, you know, they kind of are. The only people who are benefiting from vibranium are T'Challa and his friends. That's true. So, uh, and in the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, sorry, I'm going to give you minor spoilers. That's okay. Uh, Well, I'm talking to everybody else. Well, it's uh, been it's been five weeks. Still, number one movie in the country, by the way. Well, but but in the movie, Killmonger's motivation for being a villain is very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he feels that his his part of the royal lineage got the short end of the stick, um, and he thinks that that um, Wakanda could best serve the world by um, taking over the world. Mm-hmm. So it's very similar. Yeah. Not not quite the same, but you know, it's 2017, 2018. Right. Versus 1973. Yeah. So different set of circumstances, different right. set of uh, assumptions. Now, Panther essentially goes on this journey to stop Killmonger. And Killmonger is always one or two steps ahead of him. Yeah. It, he meets he he fights Killmonger in the second issue of of the storyline, loses ass. badly. Oh, he gets his ass handed to him, and <laughs> and then you don't see Killmonger for like what eight issues. Yeah, after that, it's a gauntlet basically that Killmonger has set up for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it reminds me a lot of um. Of uh, dark, of uh, yeah, nightfall. Nightfall. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It has a it has a nightfall. It's very similar uh, to the Bruce Lee film Game of Death. Yeah, where I, he has to go up the tower, and and the villains, his opponents, progressively get worse and worse and worse. Right. And McGregor does this really well because <clears throat> not only does he have Panther fight progressively harder opponents. But he also foreshadows that with Panther fighting progressively more difficult animals. And he fights he fights a, a leopard, then he fights a rhino, then he's got to fight a giant croc. And with each of those battles, foreshadows the next battle that he's about to face. Right. Yeah. Um, the, the whole thing takes place over the period of one year. Mm-hmm. From start to finish, and you get this sense 
that um, Panther is never given a moment to recuperate. He's always, something that's always going on, and most of it is um, due to the machinations of Killmonger. Mm. Um, some internal conflict in central Wakanda as well, because he did bring an outsider to a huge isolationist country. Right. So we have um, we have a lot of court scenes as well, particularly right. in the early issues where we have his conflict with Mbaku. Right. And you get a nice murder mystery. Mm-hmm. In the middle there, with as the Monica season. is framed for murder. Right. Um, I guess my biggest criticism of this story is it, at parts it felt very uh, jumpy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think just, there is some time that passes in the early issues where he fight he fought Killmonger and lost, and then there's a gap and he's training again. So he's yeah, but even even like within like the same issue, you'll have some action happening, and then it'll just cut over to something else, and mm-hmm. then cut. And when it cuts back, the action has progressed, but we haven't seen it. Right, and there's there's some parts where something happened mm-hmm. that happened off camera, like in the middle of a fight, not like incidental stuff, but important stuff. Mm-hmm. And it almost seems like it, it felt like pages were missing. And that's a possibility. It's, it could have been an editorial decision that McGregor's story was too long and too detailed. And they said, got to cut this out because the early issues, they were still running the eight page backup. And by the time you reach, uh, I want to say the 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 that, second act, and that backup didn't last more than two or three issues, right? But and, and then that story took up more issues, and you started seeing that kind of issue start to fade as the story was given more space in the book, right? I guess the other thing that should be said is that this is the the first comic book. Um, mainstream comic book, because I can't speak for anything that I haven't taken a look at, that has an almost all-black cast. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's one character who is white. Mm -hmm. That would be Venom. Yep. With two M's. But every other character is either um, Wakandan or um, American, but, you know, but African-American. And that'd be Monica. Yep, everyone else is from Wakanda. Yeah, so I mean, you don't you don't see that a lot in comics, and and I know that I had said that the representation of some of these characters is a little um, colonial, mm-hmm. um, which I'll stand by. But still, that's quite an achievement. In in a uh, even Luke Cage had had white characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would agree with you that that artistically, especially that that the characters were very stereotyped. But I think that McGregor's writing and his ability to give each of them unique personality kind of makes those those poor costume choices and whatnot kind of fade into the background a little bit. Yeah, some of those costume choices. Wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> what Taku's leopard skin unitard? 
Yeah, I'm looking at um, T'Challa's Speedo with lace, with like a sandal oh, the lace. Yeah, the lace cloak. And like some kind of like stringy gold plated um, half male shirt that is also holding his green cape up. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the few times T'Challa actually appears outside of the Panther costume. Yeah. It seems like he wears that costume almost all the time. Yeah. And then, and then you know, like uh, King Cadaver is wearing. Like disco clothes. Yes. <laughs> Red jumpsuit. Yeah. <laughs> With like a high belt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> White boots. And then you have um, Monica's gold ensemble. Yeah. She's like in With a. The, what, what the hell is she wearing? She's wearing like some sort of bathing suit onesie dress. Yeah, it was that collar, that big ass collar. Yeah, well, thank you. Sir. She's wearing she's wearing one of Iron. She borrowed some clothes from Iron Fist. <laughs> it looks like. <laughs> yeah, but you know what are you going to do? I, I I don't think that these guys who were working with this really had the the breadth of knowledge that like you would get with like somebody. Yeah, I don't think there were enough issues of National Geographic laying around the Marvel office. Or there might have been too many issues of National Geographic laying around the Marvel office. That's a possibility um, as well. have, like, people like Milton Davis who does, like, extensive research. Right. For accuracy. Right. Or uh, Co- Coates. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, yeah, if, even if you look at, like, uh, current issues of Black Panther, it's a lot less cringy. Yes, yes, it's it's gotten a lot better over the years as far as representation. Yeah. It's it's that's the word. It's cr- like my kids say. It's a little cringy. Mm-hmm. It is. It is a little cringy. But I I guess you know you got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Now, if you could get somebody, I think to redo this story with better art, same script different artist, somebody who's more familiar. Yeah. Well, they did. It's called the film. <laughs> well, the film's a lot less complicated than, than right. this is. Um, yeah, this one, this is very complicated. You get a lot of, well, I mean, you had you had 200 pages to do this story in, oh. in the comic and two hours to do it on film. Oh, yeah. I'm not. Uh, the film is definitely. The film is great. <laughs> I can't. I can't speak enough about how great that film is. And if this were adapted, it would probably end up looking more like the film than this story. Mm-hmm. Um, which might not be a good thing um, because you don't have that whole. In the film, it's two what a little over two hours long. You have to compress um, T'Challa's um, growth and story arc into two hour chunk of film, right. right? So he has to go from A to B, and it has to be visible. So it has to be simple. Mm-hmm. His story arc in this is extended over twelve issues, and and you get his thoughts and and how he changes from uh, someone who comes back to his homeland. And is ready to um, enact these 
sweeping changes because he's been in the West and he knows um, he knows better than than the people mm-hmm. to where he ends up, which is you know well maybe I was wrong maybe um, it is what it is and I have to be a better steward to my people right as opposed to um, stringing them along and and. and- and we see we see friendships broken and yeah. reforged over the course of this. Um, you know, one of the interesting things I thought was Mbaku's uh, side arc, where his marriage falls apart during this. Yeah, yeah, it's like his best friend is going through some turmoil, the head of security and whatnot. Yeah, so and he's like he's torn. You know, he's always angry at T'Challa because T'Challa is trying to westernize everything, but he's bound by his duty and his, to to the throne and to Wakanda itself. Right. And while all of this stress is going on, his wife is leaving him. Right. T'Challa really owes him big time because he basically busted up their marriage. Mm hmm. And then, and then you have the character Taku. You have you have Mbaku, who's like this real fiery, you know, aggressive kind of character, real very warrior, very conservative. And then you have Taku, who's just this quiet, introspective. He's diplomat. His his arc with Venom was was amazing as well. Yeah, well, if it wasn't for his the the relationship he forges with Venom, mm-hmm. uh, this would have ended up very differently. Oh yeah, and so, just just because you know Taku just randomly goes down and just starts talking to the guy, and and really that's that's the strength of this particular story. Mm-hmm. Um, is that there are there's a lot going on. There's a lot of complicated story arcs and there's um a couple of you know two or three threads aside from the the main thread mm. that are integral to how the outcome ends up yes yes um and then you have you have monica and and, and her character arc over the course of the story where she you know, comes in and she's treated as an outsider she's mis- mistrusted Simply because she talks different, she dresses different, she has oh, T'Challa's she, favor. She ain't, she ain't Wakanda. She ain't right. She's not Wakanda. But then she she goes out, and you see the what kind of person she is, and that starts in in a way starting to sway everyone else. Right. That um, you know kind of people are all the same you know the qualities that we admire here in Wakanda are possessed by everyone right I guess the the, the I'm sure you've heard the the, the film has very strong female characters mm-hmm. that are integral to the plot and you could almost uh, because because of the second act or the third act where um Panther isn't even in most of it. Um, you can argue that he, that he could have been absent, and he was absent through a goodly portion of that movie, and you could have still had the plot go forward the way mm-hmm. it was, right? Uh, because of, because of the women supporting characters, 
And you get that with his supporting characters in this, but unfortunately, uh, and once again, 1973, I don't think there was a woman who wasn't getting coffee in, in, at Marvel at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you get female characters do get the short end of the stick in this. Yes. Um, even Monica, who is fairly progressive for comics, she's still like relegated to moral support. Right. And, oh, T'Challa. And, I was so yeah. worried about you. Right. And, and while she is, she, she has her role and it, and it's a strong supporting role. It's still kind of like a stereotypical. Sue Love interest. Love interest, Sue Stormish. You know, she's there for the hero as opposed to a character on her own. Right. And it's unfortunate. Like, and there's some minor women characters who are also props um, in this that are, are plot points, if anything. Mm-hmm. And that, that's right. Yeah, Malice is like one of the most kick-ass villains in this in this series. She puts a fucking spear through a, a marble column. Mm-hmm. And she's like not really used uh, right. beyond the one issue where she appears, and then at the end when she escapes, but she escapes, she doesn't go and do anything, right? Which is unfortunate. Yeah, she 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 exists to eventually get knocked out by Monica, right? Exactly to prove Monica's worth. With and, oh, and threaten the other the other villains. Right, right. Venom, how dare you turn your back on Killmonger, Eric. Yeah. Conk. Yeah. (laughs) Now, there is a section in the middle of this where T'Challa goes into the Forbidden Mountains. (laughs) That is... (laughs) Sorry, I'm just going to say that Mm. I don't know where Africa Wakanda is in this. They have every climate known to man. They've got... frozen tundra they've got like stinky swamps they've got grassy plains right wakanda is like this parallel dimension almost yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, almost wakanda like forgot that, right wakanda is is you know supposed to be in africa and marvel at this point is supposed to be very grounded in the real world yet wakanda has everything and they show you the, the. They're nice enough to give you a couple of really nice maps yeah, and some of the early issues. Yeah, it doesn't look too big, but Black Panther has gone into the mountains for months. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like hundred degree below zero at the tops of these mountains. Mountains with yetis. Yes, the white the white apes of the other Wakandan religion. Yeah are real and that was a kind of an interesting little thing they threw in the middle there because yeah, these creatures were supposed to be deities in Wakanda. Right. And, and spoiler black Panther fights and kills one of them. The head, the head Yeti. Yeah. And, and we, we get this little, what's it like to be a God killer? Yeah. But then again, you know, the panther is supposed to be the the deity to the central Wakandans. Right. So, you know, it's not really T'Challa, the man, killing this god. Right. No, it's the panther god killing the ape god. 
Right, which is what happens in the first issue. The first issue has the big the big showdown for uh, leadership between the leader of the uh, ape clan and the and the panther, mm -hmm. um, which is part of the film, which is done really well in the film, and the the, the character, I think it's Baku. Horrible names. Anyway, he um, it's definitely different, and it's it's. I like the more modern version better than the cringy 1973 version. Mm -hmm. um, you have a, a guy wearing an ape skin. Oh, man ape? Yeah. yeah. Black guy wearing an ape skin. Yeah. I understand what they're trying to do, but maybe you could do that in a different way. They, they they fixed it in the film, right? Well, I mean, you know, you, you've got a character who wears a totemic costume versus another character who wears a totemic costume. Yeah, they probably could have done it a little bit better than a guy in a in a fucking gorilla hoodie. Yeah. Yes, and we're talking about the the original design of Man Ape. Yes. <clears throat> but. That that chapter in the mountains, though, man, that was that shit was brutal. Yeah, it was. And unlike the earlier issues where we got a little bit of a gap where he fought a big battle and then he was afforded some time to rest and recuperate and train. Solve a murder mystery. Solve a murder mystery. Uh, the entire chapter in the mountains is like continuous. It goes from it. There's no there's no time for T'Challa to rest. Well, really, the once he uh, he tries he he tries to sack Killmonger's stronghold. Mm -hmm. uh, from that point to the point where he returns to the palace, that's all one big chunk of of him just constantly going at it, constantly chugging it out, and constantly getting his his ass this handed to him, and him having to like barely. Uh, get himself out of these scrapes. It's not like right. he, he went in and, and kicked everybody's ass and came out smelling like Batman. Mm -hmm. he, he like went in and got as good as he gave. And sometimes it was like barely making it through. Mm -hmm. Barely making it through, but he always did it awesomely. Yes, that's true. But I mean, there's passages in the text where it's just talking about like how he was just one big bruise and Right. And, and every how um, the claws, the his wounds were constantly reopening because yeah. as soon as they would like scab up and he would start to heal, something else would happen and he would have to get thrown into a cactus and gets thrown into a cactus. <laughs> he has to he has to fight a fucking T-Rex. <laughs> yeah. It's wild, man. It's wild. I mean, it is. Is what it says on the cover. It is jungle action. It is. It, it, it went it's from in a jungle, and there's a shitload of action. Right. It yeah. went from it went from a political revolutionary th uh, thriller straight to Robert E. Howard. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, in a good way. It, it all served the same purpose. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he went out there because that was the source. So Killmonger is uh, taking 
just his minions and putting him through this process, which gives them powers. Right. It, and and, and Stanley, the classic Marvel Stanley tradition, exposing them to unknown radiation. Right. So, so Wakanda, not only has Wakanda gotten the vibranium meteorite, mm-hmm. it's also gotten the unknown radiation meteorite. Right. Which is, functions yeah. essentially several hundred miles territory. away. So, so they've got like, they've got like, I don't know, Wakanda, man. I don't know if I'd want to live there just because you get hit by a fucking flying space junk. Yeah. <laughs> but so, so he's taking his minions and exposing them to this radiation that gives them different powers. If they survive the process. Right. And so, um, Panther is going to put an end to this to just stop it. Mm-hmm. That's why he goes on this, on this quest, which really, serves to just um, not only hone him, but it really focuses his his intent mm-hmm. and causes him to re-examine his own motivations for what he's doing. Right. But but in that process, he's he also like, he, he's also getting more primal. It's yeah, almost he, like, it's almost like this gauntlet that he runs in the mountains is putting him in touch with the land. There's there's several passages uh, that talk about how you know he's he's a m- creature of the jungle and he's his senses are attuned and there are other passages where his senses are not quite as attuned. Yeah, and and he definitely leaps before he looks more often than not. Mm-hmm. Um, he he never, and I think as time goes on and as he does more. He, he gets more and more beat up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think he becomes less and less um, intellectual about fighting mm-hmm. uh, and just jumps in and hopes that he doesn't get, you know, get his ass kicked and nine out of ten times. Oops. He's, He's completely under, underestimated his foe, which is why I say it reminds me, and I should say Nightfall reminds me of this, because... That's what happens to Batman during that mm. during that story arc. Is the more it goes on, the more he he goes through this gauntlet that Bane has set up. The more he's thinking with his fists. Mm. And Alfred pointed out to him. I think he quits in the middle of it because he can't deal with Master Bruce not being Batman. Anyway, uh, so there's a lot of later famous comics like. You know, story arcs that everyone knows have a lot, a lot of their, um, their origins are in this. Mm-hmm. It's like an unsung hero of, of, uh, graphic novels. Right. And there's actually something I think was nodded to in, uh, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight Rises when T'Challa realizes that a lot of, Killmonger's weapons are being stolen right out from his compound. Yeah. Killmonger has he's stealing vibranium right from underneath the mine. Right. He's like he's like dug under the mine and is mining from below. But it yeah, and then and you're right. There's there's a Killmonger has set up shop to steal Wakandan technology. Mm-hmm. And yeah, despite I would say, despite 
a lot of the cringier things um, that you get in here that are probably do more to ignorance than to malice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's such a great series. Um, it is. It is. I, I overall, I think it's you know well written. Uh, I think it's a prime example of the type of storytelling you could get in comics at the time. Right. And, and let me, let me go on record as saying that 1973, like that early to mid seventies mm-hmm. is like my favorite period of comics. Yeah. That's um, O'Neill. This is when O'Neill. Was, was, yeah. When, when you had like uh hard traveling heroes, uh, mm-hmm. Green Lantern, Green Arrow. You have like really good Batman stories. Superman wasn't a douchebag. Um, mm-hmm. The best Flash stories are from that time. Spider Man stories are great from that time. Yeah, this was uh, Death of Gordon Stacy era. Yeah, everything in comics is hitting on four cylinders and just chugging along and doing really, really well. And this is a gem amongst all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Luke Cage had started out. Iron Fist was was just starting out at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like if you like comics, this is the era of comics that if you haven't already looked at, you should you should go and, and take a look because there's mm-hmm. so much good stuff coming out from this right. Era. And this was also this was also the era that saw uh, Kirby creating Fourth World stories. Yeah, yeah. So to have something this innovative and that stands out above a lot of that mm-hmm. and not have it be as well known as it should be is it's crime really. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you haven't read this, check it out. Um, if I can find the, the trade of it, I'll include a link in the description and until next time, Keep 30 luck points.